that was living now a life that was not my freedom. It was another's and it, it, it looked good. It was a beautiful golden cage, but it was no longer allowing for me to be who I wanted to be. And that realization and all of these things allow for the courage to build up. So in moments when it's low and uncertain, I get to remember all these things and to have that trust. The human experience is the greatest project any of us will undertake, yet it's often the one we spend the least amount of time working on. My name is Matt Johnston. I'm a self-professed personal development junkie, a retired pro golfer, and I now work for an organization that provides employee and health benefits to hundreds of thousands of people. It should be common sense to realize that what happens at work is what people bring home and what happens at home comes to them to work, but that's too often ignored. That's why each week, I hope to uncover a little more around what it means to be a human, working and living in the 21st century. We'll be learning from experts, having conversations and getting insights into all those things that fall at the intersection of life and work, emotional and physical health, skills and money, all of the relationships we navigate each day, and of course, the purpose and meaning we all desire. This is The Human Assignment. Welcome back or welcome to the Human Assignment Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us or welcome back if you've if you've been with us before. Today, we're thrilled to share a recent conversation that we had with a, a good friend of mine, Chidiogo Aquanili Parr. Isn't Chidiogo just incredible, Donna? Yes, she's so lovely, uh, a very inspiring human. And it was, it was such a privilege to get to spend some time with her, particularly since you speak so highly of her. So to get to know her a little bit and, and you also speak really highly of your best friend, Andrew, who happens to be her husband and a, and a previous guest on the podcast. So it was wonderful to hear more about her story and get to learn about um, the project she has on the go and just to spend time with someone who's, who's literally one of the most inspiring humans I've ever had the opportunity to meet. Yeah, she's, she, she really is amazing. I, uh, for, for background, uh, I'll just go through my condensed bio for Chidi. Uh, Chidi Yogo is a writer, speaker, storyteller, and movement builder. She is the founder of She Roars. She is the chief community and communications officer of Ubuntu Foundation. Um, she is a World Economic Forum Global Leadership Fellow, a fellow at the Harem Entrepreneur Alliance, an Atlantic Dialogue Emerging Leader, and an Associate Fellow of the Nigerian Leadership Initiative. Uh, Chidiogo holds a Bachelor of Arts in International Relations and Political Science from the University of Pennsylvania and Sciences Po Paris. She has a Master's of Arts in International Relations and Economics from John Hopkins and has completed both the Executive Leadership Program and a Master's in Global Leadership at the World Economic Forum. Chidiogo has been recognized for her outstanding contributions by several groups, uh, including being named the 100 Most Inspiring Women in Nigeria by The Guardian, uh, the 100 Most Influential Young Africans by African Youth Awards, the 100 Most Influential Nigerians by Advanced Media. Chidi has also been recognized as the Young Professional of the Year by Future Awards Africa. She has over 15 years of professional experience in community building, business development, intercultural dialogue, and strategy management consulting, and has lived and worked in Africa, the Middle East, Asia, North America, and Europe, 
And uh, on top of that, speaks seven languages, including Chinese, English, French, German, Igbo, Italian, and Spanish. Her wide range of experiences in different cultures and languages have proven an invaluable tool that have helped her bridge lives, people, and global realities. Her upcoming book is her first, and we talk about it quite a bit in this podcast. It chronicles the life of her late mother, Dora Nikim Aquinili. It is called I Am Because We Are, an African Mother's Fight for the Soul of a Nation, and illuminates the role of kinship, family, and the individual's place in society while revealing a life of courage, how community shaped it, and the web of humanity that binds us all. Wow. That uh, and that's our condensed bio, Donna. Yeah, I can't imagine what would all be in the uh, extended version, but certainly her her accomplishments certainly speak for themselves. But I think the big takeaway for me from this conversation was just how powerful the quiet moments in our lives can be when we when we take the time to listen to ourselves and our allow ourselves to hear our own truth. Um, because there's really interesting and unexpected journeys that we can have when we take the time to do that. And in Chidi's case, this really resulted in uh, her leaving a, a very prominent and upward trending career to to write the book about her mom that you you just previously mentioned. And so that also led her to the incredible work she's doing in coaching and community development. So when we take the time to listen to the quiet voices inside us, some incredible things can happen. And her story is incredibly inspirational. And, and we dig into um, not only her experiences in writing the book, but also um, the courage it took to to lean into that quiet truth and to change the the trajectory of her life is in essence. So a really incredible conversation with a, really just a gem of a human being. Absolutely. Well, without further ado, please enjoy our wide ranging talk with Chidiogo Aquinili Parr. All right, here we go. Chidiogo, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Maddie J. It's a pure pleasure to be here with you and with Donna. We're so, we're so excited to have you. Donna and I have been talking a lot about uh, having you on. I've obviously been pitching you for a long time that I wanted to get you on the show and um, so pumped to have you. Mm, let's do this. I love it. I love when Maddie J is pumped and, you know, <laughs> it doesn't get better. <laughs> I'm, I'm also so excited because I, I heard a lot about you and about uh, and Andrew, because Matt speaks of you as family and mm -hmm. as extended family. And um, so I'm really excited to to learn more about you and to get to speak to you in person. And so uh, I'm not sure, as Matt said before, we could probably do a series with you because given your breadth of experience and all the adventures you've had, I, I don't know that an hour is going to give us a ton of opportunity to dig in. But um, anyways, on thank you so much. I'm so excited to get to have the opportunity to speak with you. Uh, this afternoon. Beautiful. Donna did uh, uh, send me a message, something along the lines of, uh, as we were prepping, well, where the hell do we start? Uh, <laughs> Chidi is such a, a, a rock star with, with, with an incredible background. How, the, how do we contain this? So I thought, Chidi, one of the ways that uh, I, I sometimes start this podcast is uh, with the question of when we used to go to cocktail parties um, or, uh, you know, uh, recently we've been saying when we used to travel and you'd go through customs and they ask, what do you do for work or what do you, you know, what do you do for a living? How do you respond to that? 
Mm, most recently, I I think I told someone that I was a shapeshifter or something like that, and he was like thoroughly confused. Um, it's probably one of my least favorite questions because I have no one answer, mm. and automatically. I am either being forced or forcing you into a five-minute conversation just to try and explain what it is that I do. So um, I tend to just smile and maybe sometimes I'm a diplomat because <laughs> that's what my family, that's what they say I am. Um, but in truth, I'm a writer, I'm a movement builder, I'm a storyteller, I'm a founder of an organization, She Wars, working with women. I I do communications, community building with this incredible foundation called Ubuntu Foundation. Um, I'm someone who has figured out that I don't have to do any one thing. So I tend to say yes to everything that excites me. Well, I... I think that uh, a great place to start this interview because I know I know I know where we're going to end up going um, uh, to some of the the more recent work that you're doing. We want to talk about the book that is uh, coming out later this year that you've that you've spent the year writing. But why don't we why don't we talk a bit about your start uh, with your background? Um, you were you were born in Nigeria, correct? Born in a small town southeast of Nigeria. You know, I'm a small town girl. Okay, we're four million in this small town. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a small town, I promise. I was going to ask when the punchline was coming in because I've heard this before. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I, my life has been such an interesting adventure. Went off to boarding school in the big city. You know, back then it was really the biggest adventure I could imagine. This was in Lagos in Nigeria, the then capital city. And would could not have imagined that my life would lead me to um, so many places I've got to live over the years. You know, I, there's this almost like my mom used to say that it was as if ants were pursuing me because I had lived in Beijing, in Berlin, in Bologna, in Paris, in Philly, in New York, in DC. And I like, I just like, I never stayed in one place and I would live in all these places in Cameroon, then back in Nigeria. And in many ways, my background is that of someone that's been seeking a part of myself, but I didn't know that was, that was what I was doing. I was just moving because I knew that I wasn't meant to be in any one of those places longer than the time I would be there for. And that journey has brought me to Toronto, Canada, where it's home now. But before that, I was living in Geneva for four years. And that was a really transformative or pivotal moment in my life because I, I, I tend to say that Geneva was so boring that I was forced to be introspective because there's there nothing going on. <laughs> I was working at the World Economic Forum, really great job, but I would be home by six and that was it. I didn't have a TV. I made a choice not to do that. So it would just be me and my, my mind and my spirit and my notebook. So that was a gift that I didn't know I was seeking and it ended up allowing me space to hear my own self in that silence of boredom. And um, living there, working there, having that space and time, and also the work that's doing being so people-focused allowed me to find a part of myself that is very much, um, that shines when I get to 
connect with people and support people and and feel the human spirit and the shared humanity that we that is such a sort of spark space for me and um yeah it's when i did leave that job you know you mentioned the book that was when i made that leap to say you know what i i i feel like i've got to the pivot of some sort of mountain that i've been climbing and now i want to figure something out of my own not work in the next place for the next person, but just sort of go on my own journey. And that has been my journey of the last four years. So up until that point of transition, you, uh, like as, as I was going through your resume, you're obviously, uh, I knew your background, but as I was going through your resume, I was thinking, holy shit, like you went to Penn for undergrad, John Hopkins for a graduate degree, I've worked for some huge consultancies across the world, uh, you know, then in Geneva, working with the World Economic Forum. So you're on this, on this, on this path working, um, I wouldn't, it's certainly not on a traditional route, but a path that would have been easier to answer when you're coming through uh, the customs <laughs> line at the airport as to what you do. Um, yeah, I'm just, I, I, I want to just dig a little more into that that point of transition um because uh i, I a couple of weeks ago when we were when we were having a conversation about you coming on it uh I, I was just fascinated by that by that period and decision uh to move along yeah you know donna said you know an hour is almost not enough but i'm really called to share this part of the story with um with you so it, it really all started, you know, that moment in time that you just know that you're ready for something new. And, you know, perhaps we've all experienced what comes next is this sort of like sense of being lost. You know, what is that thing? Where should I go? There's just like blank space and panic of some sort. So I was, you know, I was like, should I go to the UN? Should I go work in Timbuktu for all I knew? You know, it was literally open to anything. I, I just knew that I was at the end of a chapter. And I mentioned earlier that I'd become quite introspective when I was living in Geneva. So I had this idea to do a mind map. So I started off with, you know, where next, what should I do? And, you know, started like just allowing my mind to flow on paper and allowing myself to jot down different ideas. And I really recommend my mapping if you ever feel lost in any moment and you're trying to make a decision or figure out your next steps. And I must have spent two whole evenings doing this and it led me to the answer of just listen. And I thought that was the oddest answer ever i really wanted a very clear you know ministry of foreign affairs in, <laughs> you know, it's like, what is this just listen and take care of your body and meditate and i was just getting very odd answers after hours of going down these rabbit this rabbit hole so i decided to take a chance on this answer because i didn't know what else to do and started listening and deepening my listening and and, you know, on that journey um, came the voice for me to write the story of my mother. And that was a very interesting moment in my life because it's just, you know, you explain it rationally, but it's, it's, all, it's so hard to capture that you're sitting in your couch and you just have this intuition or this knowing that you're meant to do something and it feels so right. And 
I thought, okay, I can do that. Should I do that while I work? You know, really listening, listening. And then listen led me to know that I was done with that chapter uh, as a senior manager, which, as you said, easy title, easy, you know, easy to throw out there as who I am, what I do, to becoming a writer, you know, and all these insecurities of I'm not trained as a writer. What if I fail? I don't have a publisher. What am I going to tell these thousands of people that I work with in different capacities when they ask me what I'm doing next? Because, you know, I'm climbing this mountain. You should have the next peak. So there was so much coming up. But my my truth was so clear from having practiced exactly that, that I was called to that maybe a year before that to just listen and trust I have the paper and it's like such an interesting answer that came through. So that um, that call to listen, to trust and to have heard that message and to trust it was a big deal. And there's a whole journey of trust and um, I can go deeper if I had to, but ultimately that moment in my life and going deeper in learning to trust has transformed every other part of my life because now I am I trust so much in my intuition and when I get a I have a sense of something in a way that back then it was sort of touch and go but I was trying I was struggling and it was a process and now four years later the book is done I have a publisher that showed up from nowhere I'm good it's going to be out by the end of this year beginning next year I I'm doing things that I would have never imagined I would ever do, but I love so much. And none of that was or could have been clear in that mind mapping. So the only actual answer I could ever have received was exactly that. But it was so strange in that moment, but it was the best guidance that ever came from a moment of being lost to actually just slow down and know that all I had to do in that moment was to trust and to listen. There's so much to unpack there that, again, I'm going to play the I don't know where to begin card, but thank you for that answer. I, I, I think I want to dig in a little bit, but I think there's a follow-up question here, and the follow-up question will be to talk about, um, about the book and, um, and who the book is about and why, yeah, you know, I mean, spoiler alert, the book is about your mom. So, you know, how you... Uh, what that was like to be immersed in the process of writing the book, but before we do that i just want to talk a little bit about the you talked about you know trust and listening to yourself but i think the other piece in being able to do that is having incredible courage to lean mm. into that and the courage to make the leap particularly when you said you know i, I wasn't a writer i how am i going to explain this to everyone and so i think <laughs> I, I understand that like listening and having the trust to listen mm. to yourself but mm. if you can speak a little bit about the courage it took to do that mm. and the courage to stay on that path when there may have been other voices and other influences saying, what are you doing? And, um, and then my follow-up question will be about the book. Mm. That's such a, that's a really beautiful question. Cause it's true. That courage was not a given, you know, even when you've heard and you're trying to trust, I actually had a mentor of mine tell me that I was going to regret it. The decision to leave such a potentially rosy future opportunities being dangled to stay on. And like, what are you going to do? I think he used the word loser um, and, you know, those things hurt. And then you start, I start questioning my own self. Am I 
what if he's right? What if this is a bad, wrong decision? Um, it's such a complex answer because there are many moments when that courage is not there. Many moments when I felt that perhaps I was not doing the right thing. Perhaps I was... I was taking an easy route, perhaps, you know, at some point I gave, I decided I would finish the book. I'll give myself until 60 years old to finish the book, you know, so I would find these like ways to just hold my hands a little bit. You know, when I got really nervous, like we're going to write a book, you can barely finish an essay, you know, like, it's okay. You can give 40 years. You have 40 years to write it. But yeah. take this time and start. So this is to say courage was a process. And I don't like to force anything on myself. But I the, the foundation of trusting so deeply in that guidance that came allowed for that courage to consistently build up. And I have to say, I, I, I've had this luck in my life that I've always had the most incredible guides come in exactly when I need them. You know, just the right voice, that voice saying, you can do it. You know, who you are is on the other side of fear. That mm-hmm. voice telling you like, hey, don't worry about this job. It's you that, you know, you're the magic and you get to, you. it follows you anywhere. That voice that says, I'm going to make sure that you're fine. Whatever happens, you can always count on me. And so it goes. So I really was so fortunate in that moment when you have another voice that says you're going to regret it. You have other voices that say, you know, hey, I've always seen you as this bird in a cage. And I'm so happy that you are allowing yourself to be free. And that was a metaphor. I remember his friends like, we're in the streets of Morocco, and he goes, I'm so glad that you're finally leaving your cage. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I've always seen you as a bird in a cage, and now you get to fly. And wow. I thought, okay, that's it. Because yeah. in many ways, that was a value that became very apparent to me also in that moment in my life, was the value of freedom and realizing that so many of my values were met but my 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 the, my ranking and freedom was so low because in many ways I was living now a life that was not my freedom. It was another's and it 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 looked good. It was a beautiful golden cage, but it was no longer allowing for me to be who I wanted to be. And that realization, again, all of these things allow for the courage to build up. So in moments when it's low and uncertain, I get to remember all these things and to have that trust that one step at a time, one foot at a time, what I do know is that there's no going back and back is not it. So whatever happens in the future, I know it was important to leave that comfort zone. Mm. Such an interesting uh, metaphor, the bird in the cage and uh, and the golden cage at that. Um, one of the things that, that's coming up for me as you're saying that is that we all probably have more choices than we even realize, at, at, you know, at different times. Your leap is uh, to, you know, to go to, to go write a book obviously feels like, you know, this big jump in, in a way, but it's a, uh, um, yeah, I think there's, there's, there's a lot there that, that we can all relate to where we probably have more choices than we even realize in um, at any given moment. Mm, absolutely. 
And, you know, we are so fortunate in this part of the world. I remember, you know, because finance comes up, right? I'm, I'm so, I was so used to earning a salary and suddenly that was not going to be a given anymore for a, a, a non-determined period of time. And I remember being with that fear. I was like, what about money? What if I run out doing that math? And having this voice go, you know, what's the worst that can happen, Chidiogo? And to be in a part of the world and to have that privilege that the worst that could happen was the way I thought about it then. It's like I work in a cafe somewhere and I make enough to pay my minimum like uh, lifestyle. And that's a massive privilege that um, allowed me to relax a little bit into knowing that the worst case scenario was in no way, shape or form anything that was... Um, crippling and that's such a privilege of the choices that even the the extent of choices that you have in this part of the world or places where a cafe job can give you enough money to live is that you know you really do have you know if you can move beyond that fear and the stories of the how much you need and just sort of be always true to that part of you that is guiding you and know that you have everything you need, especially when you're in a society that provides in that way. Um, that's not to be taken for granted at all. And that gives you a lot more access to choices. And that's something that I realized. And I thought, you know what, I have all of that. And I'm, you know, so all of that starts to allow me to find that freedom um, because I can keep seeking and making all this money, but ultimately, um, what do I do with it um, if I'm not free and if I'm not being true to who I am and where I want to be and what I want to do? Well, jumping off that on, on uh, let's dig into the book and on what you want to be doing. Uh, the book is called I Am Because We Are, An African Mother's Fight for the Soul of a Nation. <laughs> it is. Can you tell us about uh, Can you tell us about the book, Chidi? Absolutely, I really loved what you said, Maddie. Around you know, just sitting with my family's story, my mother's story for the last four years, that has taken me to to write this book, and it's it's been such a, an unexpected gift. This book, right? You know, from getting the idea to just sort of feeling like I was going to do it, then questioning if I had what it takes. Like I did my senior thesis of, you know, a couple thousand words, maybe 20,000 words in one night. So that's the kind of student I've been. So I just thought you do not have it in you to sit with no push. No one is waiting for this book and actually get it done. So I was afraid about my own discipline or lack thereof, uh, my own capacity. And within that, my own ability to be true to my mother's story, and ultimately it's my mother's story. And she was an incredible, incredible personality and human who left an indelible legacy in people's hearts and minds and spirits in Nigeria for the work she did and how she stood up for so much um, and lived a life of deep um, truth and uh, to her values and to um, service to the people in many ways in her capacity as a public servant, uh, specifically safeguarding the health of a nation via the food and drug, managing the food and drug agency in Nigeria, where there was a massive incidence, there still is, of fake drugs, fake food, fake anything you put in your body, 
just because there's no regulation. So if you can imagine fakes are bad enough with a purse when you are taking a fake baby formula formula for your infant, that's a very different level of um, evil against the people. And that was something that was just happening every second of every day. So that was something she fought against. So her story is highlighted by that fight. But in many ways, she lived this big life. And so much of it is unknown because so many people knew her in the, the height of her career. But I wanted to bring the story of the woman behind Dora Akunyili. You know, who is this woman because um, sometimes, especially when you become famous and people feel they know you, if I didn't know her fully. So it's such a beautiful journey to peel back, you know, peel that onion and explore how she became that woman, how she became that person that would put her life literally on the line because there were assassination attempts on her life. A bullet grazed her scalp. And one of them, assassins had been sent because she was costing counterfeiters a lot of money. So that's a story, but that story didn't start there. It's a, a girl who went, went through war, who went through um, a lot of hardships in her life, a lot of loss, a lot of challenges, but kept pushing. That was, you know, such a beautiful pattern in her life. But um, you know, I think there's something about that story that has the capacity to inspire so many in the way that her life in life inspired so many. And because she really had that je ne sais quoi around her, this aura, this she walks in a room and everyone notices her kind of energy. So um, I, I think those lives are are special, you know, and those people are special and they bring such an interesting um, message to us. Um, and she did in life. And I, I'm writing her story to, to bring the nuance to life. And in so doing, I trust that the reader will find value in seeing themselves in her struggles in her perseverance in her failures in her triumphs and her vulnerabilities or lack of, you know, she has so many parts to who she is. And that's what's so beautiful about that story. There's no one story there. She's a very complex human, but at the core, she was true to herself. Um, and writing it has, has been an incredible privilege of going deeper because ultimately as a daughter, you know your mother, but you might not actually, you know, a mother, but you don't know, you know, your father's wife, you don't know, you know, someone's aunt and the boss and um, the, you know, the director general, the minister, you don't know all those parts. So to keep peeling back the daughter um, that she was herself, um, the granddaughter. So it's been, I just felt like I've been living her her like wake up I'm thinking of my mom go to bed she's with me and you know she passed away about five years ago now and um uh it's it's um it's been such a beautiful thing to know that this journey of writing her story has in many ways brought us close closer even though she's gone, um, I feel her presence more than ever before. Because in life, you know, it's like your mom, I'm living in different countries and she's far away. But now we're closer, <laughs> which is counterintuitive. And, um, but also very much the reality of 
going holding her story so dear and and um telling it with um with sincerity i hope and trust that i'm doing as i was guided to do the last part about sitting with spending four years thinking about your mom um i think you know both of us share a path and that we we left home early on went to went away to college worked abroad and you have more limited contact with your with your parents and your 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 mother died far far too early in life and so you you, you haven't had the chance to go to you know have those adult conversations with her but i think there's a lot of us that that can relate to you know, you just you're, you're busy and you you move through life, and your parents do what they do, and you do what you do, and and there's 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 so much of their lives that we don't get to get to see. Um, can you talk a little more about what it's been like for you, what it's done for you, to to be immersed in the in the life of of course this incredible woman, but also your mother. <laughs> Yeah, I I left home at the age of nine. And incidentally, my mom left home as well for to live in the village when she was nine years old. So it's an interesting um, commonality that we share. So that meant that since the age of nine, I haven't been home. So, you know, boarding school in Lagos, then off to college, then off to the next thing, next thing. And, and my mother was you know, I I still remember the day I decided I was going to stop missing my mom. And so I was in secondary school. I was just so tired of crying all the time because I missed my mom. And I just made this very adult decision. I must have been 12 that I was going to stop caring and missing my mother. And, um, you know, I don't have a great memory for a lot of things, but I remember that because I cried so long and so hard because it was visitor's day and boarding school and everybody was their parents, but my mom wasn't there because she lived so far away in the town that we grew up in. It was like a nine-hour road trip. So that being said, this really has been um, a gift of getting to know her in a way after she passed away, you know, we're close and there was a lot of love, but there was a lot of distance. So writing the story for me has been, as I mentioned, there's a gift to it. And it's really also sharpened my intuition um, because whether or not um, it's a, it's not fully rational, but it's been my experience that I, I can feel her, I can hear her, I can ask her questions, I can get answers. And um, it's allowed me to trust in that ability to communicate beyond life as we know it, beyond this, um, yeah, beyond the boundaries of, you know, someone that is right in front of you and death and what have you. Um, and in many ways, you know, she passed away, as you said, far too young and I hadn't really come into my own self, you know, I feel like, as I mentioned, it's been a journey of finding myself the last, all my travels and the seeking and um, the last years have been very pivotal in really truly connecting to the essence of who I am in some ways. So connecting with her now in my fuller self feels even more valuable because I feel like she gets to know me as much as I'm getting to know her. And um, 
I just trust that she's happy to have her story told. And I'm really happy to give her that gift and um, seeing all the ways that she's deserving and all the ways that it's healing for me, for her, for my family, for um, hopefully a lot more people that come in contact with the story. There's a healing um, element to it that is her own uh, struggle with healing and her own contribution to healing. So there's so much to it. So that journey has been one that just feels extremely complex and within it, I just have to keep saying yes and okay and show up and do my part. And I feel there's a magical quality to all of it. And it makes me trust so much that this book has a purpose and a mission. And all I had to do was show up and write it. You know, it kind of flowed through me in some ways um, because I look at it and it's like, I don't, I can't believe I did this. You know, it's like a couple hundred, I don't know, hundred. 200,000 words, I remember, um, 100,000 words. Um, it's like, wow, this is, this is, this is real. This is, you know, we're designing book covers and we have, oh, I have a publisher. And, you know, when, when I started writing the book, I was worried about a publisher. And my mom, her voice said not to worry. I should just focus on writing her story that she was going to figure out a publisher. And all of this sounds crazy. I mean, I know it doesn't, but it might to some ears. And, you know, I just focused on writing the story. And when the book was done, literally, I didn't even look for one. A publisher showed up and it's incredible. Uh, House of Anansi is an incredible publishing house and they're interested in the book. So, you know, that just allows me to go deeper and deeper in that full confidence that, what I hear is real because I can't make these things up. Again, I, I need a moment to uh, just absorb because I think it's such an incredible, incredible story on on several fronts. Your journey in writing it, but also um, your engagement with with your mom and her story, and the way that you were able to have the courage to take it on and to allow, allow it to flow through you. Um, I'm wondering if you can comment on in, in an uh, earlier interview I saw you do, and you talked about actually connecting to other generations in your family or other strong women in your family through the process um, mm. as well. And so if you can you comment a little bit on the, the broader, I guess, family connection or the, the tie to other members of your family and perhaps in particular, the strong women who've come mm. before you and, wow. and how you reconcile <laughs> that sort of the history that's come before you with listening to your own voice as well? Yeah, that's such a beautiful question. I'm excited to think about it um, because in many ways, you know, when you're starting, when I was starting the book, I, you know, I was just completely blank. You know, it sounds easy. You have someone's life story, just write it. Um, but I, I, you know, it's like, where do you start? You could start anywhere. You could write it in different ways. And um, my mom had said to write in her voice. So actually the book is my mom talking, I should mention. So the whole book is her telling her story. Um, so when I say flew through me, it really in many ways is that she's just, I'm not filtering. I'm, I'm just holding that space for her to tell her own story. And I'm just doing the writing. And within that, the question I kept asking in those moments of starting um, to to really allow this book to take shape. It's like, what formed this woman? 
you know, I, 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 I can talk about her, her strengths and all the ways that she's just this incredibly powerful and impressive woman, but where does she come from? You know, so that was a question I was with a lot. So it, it invited me to go deeper into her formative years in many ways, her childhood. And then I mentioned she left home at nine. You know, she went to live in her village, in her mother's village with her maternal grandmother. Ne was her name, who is this, you know, this incredible woman. I met her just a few times. She was a hundred plus when I met her and very frail and old, but still very strong. So my mother went to live with her and so much of who she is or became um, came from the strength and learning from the strength of her grandmother, who was this incredible matriarch and um, just very strong figure in her life. And they were living together alone and, you know, just no rest and no pause. Someone like really holding her hands in some ways, teaching her how to be a strong woman herself and to navigate life and to have the skills that she needed to do that. And, um, you know, she had the the other part is intellectual support the school was providing or her grandmother gave her that sort of human emotional intelligence people skills that was her super star power she could relate to any kind of person and almost could she had such an ability to see people and understand what like listen to them and feel them and and be with their their needs in a way that she really, I believe she learned from her grandmother. And her father himself had such an incredible story of, you know, his father, his grand, so my mother's grandfather was very rich, but died, left her father with nothing. He built up his empire, became a very wealthy man, lost everything in a war. So my mom went from being a wealthy young girl to having nothing and then you know, they're building up. So there's just so much the story of, of transition, of acknowledging the, the um, sort of the, 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 how life is just so impermanent in many ways, wealth and money, all these things that people were always surprised that my mother didn't put a lot of value in trying to be wealthy and making money from her position. I think it was that part of her father was just teaching her like, hey, listen, I've been there not once, not twice, lost it all more than once. And I realized what's important is family, for example, it's showing up for each other's community. So all these values, you know, that, you know, she has as an adult, but you start looking closely as to where it came from. And you, I saw very clearly that it was from the people that she spent time with that where that she looked up to her, her father, her mother, um, who was this beautiful, very kind, very generous woman. It was her grandmother who was a strong, powerful matriarch that, you know, took her under her wings. It was her community that cared for her and had strong values and she she got to learn from it. So it's really realizing in many ways that it's 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 influences the title I am because we are is is the the definition of Ubuntu that speaks to this interconnected web of humanity that no one comes from nothing. We're all, we all come from each other and we're all influenced by each other. So there's this power in really being aware of your influence on the other and all the ways that we shape and we, for better or for worse, one another and each other's lives. And in many ways, her life was shaped in very, very beautiful ways by 
some of the women and um, men that she got to have as mentors and role models in her family. That was a hell of an answer. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking a few weeks ago. um, One of the things that, um, that I came out of it thinking about was just that you're that, that, and this goes back to transitions, your work has, um, you know, formally from a, from a corporate standpoint, and now as an author, as a coach, as a facilitator, as a community builder, um, yeah, and I, and I'm, and I'm missing about 10, 10 different hats there. Um, I sensed a, um, an, an overarching theme of empowerment and, um, and I, and I think that you, you spoke about this a little bit in reference to the book the last time we chatted. Um, does that land for you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, empowerment, that word, you know, it's um, if you go back to the concept of Ubuntu, I am because we are and, you know, the interconnectedness. Then very quickly you understand that empowering another empowers another empowers yourself this butterfly effect and this beauty of nourishing each other and community and and just the value of doing that in a way that i have also benefited from myself being empowered by my own mother by my own family by the people i mentioned earlier the guides that come into my life the voices when i need courage when there's question mark when this fear so I, I've, I've been such a recipient of um of that word in many ways and and an observer of the value of it in the, in the multiplier effect and also seeing all the ways I can contribute as my own personal gift in supporting people to see themselves to hear themselves to to trust their own journey to take that leap um, to find clarity, to, you know, to articulate their story, whatever that is in many ways, be it my coaching work, be it the work, the, um, whatever, all the ways I show up with, for example, She Roars, the organization supporting women on their, to connect to their power. It's really tapping into my own lived experiences and, you know, all these years of traveling and moving around and trying to figure it out. What I didn't realize was that I was really just um, a mass and experience, like life lessons, because in many ways, that's the place that I speak most powerfully from is experiences that I've had myself. Um, so empowerment is is some a gift we can share with one another, knowing that there's gifts that we can unlock. You know, earlier you mentioned that we're not always aware of the spectrum of options that we have because we're not empowered maybe to not be afraid to think beyond what we feel we know. We're not empowered by the stories we're told of what we should do, who we should be, the limits. There's just so much disempowerment sometimes in the narratives and the in that then you take on as your own internal narratives. And I've seen this in my own life and I've seen myself break through and the surprise that comes with it and the power that comes with it. So I've seen um, with that experience, I have, I have so much joy in supporting people to move through their own limiting beliefs, um, to connect to the stories that you're living or working up from the script and really check in what story do you want to be writing? What story of your life do you want to rewrite? 
knowing that we have that capacity within us as humans and that you're finding your truth and connecting to it is the greatest gift we can give each other as humans because that amplifies every other person around you. You, the work you're doing, you coming into your truth on this project, um, the human experiment is such a beautiful way to amplify so many other people, right? Because you connected to your wanting to do this. You're empowered to do this. So the multiplier effect is always so obvious, but if you don't unlock that in you, nothing else would unlock that would have unlocked. So it's just how I see it as a, as the human, the magic of being human. And it's how I share my magic is to show up in my own empowered self and support people to, that are struggling in any way to, to find the parts, the knots, and to allow them space to hear their truth that, that they might unlock and connect to what feels powerful for them what feels like their freedom their calling their intuition and to trust it and you know i think i would be remiss not to talk about my my big practice of seven years now of morning pages which is came to me via artist way julia um julia cameron Mm-hmm. And I write every morning and it's been such a beautiful way to hear my own self, to find clarity, to get to know myself. And I think that's the greatest empowerment journey any of us can go on is to find and build a relationship with yourself and with your silence and with your own inner voice so that you, you can continuously almost have that internal compass ready in a way that can allow you to always find your way even in moments that everything feels gray and as you feel lost which is very much the part of the human experience and the human experiment is to feel lost here and there but to groom and to nurture your inner compass is just like magic so that's something that i've been doing and i love to support people to connect to ways that they can do that for themselves can you talk a little bit about how you help uh, I know Wish Your Wars is specifically targeted at uh, at your work with women, but how you help people find their voice or be empowered. I think in some of the work that we've done, we focus a lot about around self-care, which is giving ourselves permission to take care of ourselves and to, you know, be healthy. And But I think an extension of that obviously is is being able to lean into our own voices and to to give ourselves permission to feel empowered perhaps mm. sometimes that's a big step right we know we want to be sort of over here but we need to give ourselves permission to take those steps so can you mm. talk a little bit about the work you do with she roars and um and how you help people take steps towards empowerment absolutely you know, ultimately, Donna, this is a bigger answer, but I would say that the core of be it seminars, workshops, conferences, you know, one-on-one coaching, whatever that um, sets in that allows for the work to happen is, I think at the core of my approach is to ask questions. You know, some of my workshops that um, are smaller, the first question we ask is, very simple but it's incredible how powerful that can be and it's how are we and that's a question you ask your own self Mm. and I really like this question because a it acknowledges a duality that people are often shocked to find ask yourself that question you can go take a moment and pause do that how are we 
you feel the parts of yourself almost wake up in answer and an acknowledgement of their existence. So that's what I try to do at the core is to let you realize all the ways you don't have to act from one part of yourself, be it your mind, um, your intellect, your whatever that part that is your leading self, ego, etc., to understand that there's a bigger you. And the more you can be in full acknowledgement and connection, you can call it mind, body, spirit, emotion, uh, multiple selves, uh, spirit, all of that, whatever way words you want to put to it is the acknowledgement of, of, the, of the, the complexity of self. And within that, to realize how we're so used to checking with others and having conversations, getting to know other people, but the very seldomly that space with our own selves so that how a re-question is an invitation for you to acknowledge you know you just said self-care being with your own self checking in learning to do that learning to listen to what comes up so really the short answer is we ask questions and we allow for exercises that allow for you we we invite exercises or we um uh, we do exercises that invite people to learn to connect to their hearts, learn to connect to one another in case that that's the, 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 the point of such a seminar and ultimately learn to listen. A lot of just questions and listening and, and reflection and aha moments that come from that. I, I think at the core of it, it's really empowering you to find your own listening, to find the voice of your inner guide, to find your own ability to know when something is yes for you, when something is no for you, when something feels right, and to say yes to it and to start seeing and noticing how invariably that leads you to your path. So this is, it's a way of reminding us of who we are reminding us of this compass we've always had and how to tune into it and how to honor it, how to care for it and by building a relationship, a bridge to self, so to say, and ultimately how to use it. We have about a hundred more questions to ask you here, Chidi, and, uh, <laughs> but I'm looking at time. And so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up for episode one of a hundred uh, that we may have with you, but uh, so we're going to try something new with you. Um, okay. <laughs> we've been bouncing around this idea of the rapid fire questions. We were both on podcasts recently where they asked them. So thought, what the hell, why don't we give this a go? So our first <laughs> rapid fire question is when you think of the word success, who comes to mind and why? Who comes to mind and why? Um, Oprah comes to mind because she uses her voice and reaches people's hearts and allows people to feel their hearts and the connection to hers and each other and to expand their hearts. And, um, and she does that all through her voice, just showing up and sharing her truth and, and yeah, and taking up space and allowing people to connect to her and her story in a way that can allow for them to be truer to theirs. So yeah, she's definitely my my queen idol. Good answer. Very good answer. <laughs> what book do you most recommend? My book. 
I am because we are African mothers <laughs> fight for the soul of a nation. I teed you up for that one. <laughs> Pick up your copy December 2021. Well done. Um, <laughs> uh, before you wrote a book, did you have a, a most recommended? Oh, you're going to push, are you? No, I won't. This is <laughs> Um, if you know, I, I've always loved Chinua Chebe. If you haven't read Things Fall Apart, it's just such a beautiful um, insight into the Igbo culture, the beauty of this people and tradition. Also, even more so, we've been talking about transitions and how things um, fell apart with the advent of colonialism. And in many ways, it's very relevant because it's that 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 break breakdown continues to echo to date. Mm. Uh, what is your favorite movie? You Ooh. can have favorites if you want. Sound of Music. Ooh, or that or Moana. <laughs> nice. I also yeah. love Moana. That's I uh, love it. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Yeah, I love uh, musicals. You you do yeah. <laughs> um. I'm trying to think of the the musical that we just watched. We did just watch uh, um, uh, Sound of Music, Jane and I. We've been going back to uh, all of our old favorites recently. Oh, uh, nice. Just, nice. you know, like, why don't we watch some some lovely uh, yeah. uh, movies instead of, uh, It you know? never gets old. It's always a delight. It's such so beautiful. Each time I watch it, every other year I watch it, I'm always so happy. What advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? Oh, wow. Don't be afraid to fall in love. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't afraid, so I don't know. <laughs> I just, um, I don't know. That's just, just do you, do you, just trust, do you, have fun, be safe. I'm I'm gl I'm glad you didn't fall uh, too far in love at 25 because you uh, <laughs> wouldn't have, <laughs> wouldn't have met my brother. <laughs> uh, so puppy puppy love is great, you know. <laughs> but true 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 true. I'm pretty happy with this man. <laughs> so, so what's 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 next for you, Chidi? You're releasing the book at the end of this year. I know you're in the editing mm. process. What uh, what's 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 next for Chidi Yoga? I'm a bird, Maddie J. Fly. <laughs> keep flying. I don't know. I, I've given up trying to figure it out. I've just really, I stay with that first intuit or that first message. Just listen and trust. So I just stay with my listening. There's there's tons to keep me busy, but I, I've, I now spend a lot less time trying to figure out what next, what's coming, all of that, and a lot more time just being present with what is. I don't mean to sound cliche at all. It's really my truth. And within that, right now, beautiful, I'm in this beautiful cottage with members of community for the first time in, it feels like two years we haven't been with people. I guess it's been a year plus. And just really grateful for that and just being in this pure state of gratitude that we get to be with just three other people and that feels like a crowd and and this book coming out and this work that I get to do with the Ubuntu Foundation that it's a whole other podcast. It's like most incredible work ushering in a new earth and supporting communities and people doing that. And I get to be part of that. And that's something we're going to be building out in the next year. 
and you know family i'm pregnant i'm gonna be a mom so you know that's gonna happen (laughs) that's the next year so uh (laughs) i don't need too much listening there but Mm -hmm. trust is needed i'm trusting that the journey is going to be safe and yeah i'm just honestly just allowing i'm allowing and life is is being very clear about its desires for me right now and i'm just allowing it to lead the way well, Chidi, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast. It's uh, it's so nice to hang. I, uh, I I don't get to come out to Toronto and uh, and sleep in your spare bedroom during this <laughs> we COVID miss time. You so, so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you all have an amazing time this weekend, and mm. um, uh, again, thank you for all that you do. We can't wait to read the book at the end of this year and um, uh, to be continued. Oh, thank you so much. And I feel like I do want to ask you one question, which is the last question you asked me, you know, what's next for the human experiment? Um, well, the, uh, the, the podcast, we're just going to keep on going. We're loving the opportunity to, and the freedom to, to, to continue chatting with, uh, with um, all the folks that we, uh, that we're interested in talking to. Or I, Donna and I, I, I always say this to Donna that my favorite part about the podcast is we get to um, uh, hold these people that we we love and adore uh, hostage for an hour <laughs> <laughs> and I'll ask them all the questions that we wanted to ask them. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, oh, I know. Been, yeah. Yeah. So, but we're, we've got uh, for, on the corporate side, we have some uh, some some uh, work that we're uh, that we're starting to put out, and looking forward to uh, uh, that gaining momentum. And uh, and we think that around the human assignment brand, that there's um, uh, that there may be some fun. Uh, uh, there, there's some coaching opportunities that we're looking at, and um, and even some uh, some potential consulting. So. Um, yeah, lots lots of opportunities ahead, and trying to trying to trying to focus it in. But uh, probably more of our focus is is certainly on the corporate side right now. But the podcast gives us gives us some freedom to 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 have some fun. Mm, and that sounds great. And I was clearly experimenting with the name. It's the human assignment. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's, it's as much like... of an assignment as it is an experiment. I would argue so. It's oh, all good. You oh know beautiful when i heard ex- experiment i thought to myself you know what i actually i think i like that name a little yeah. more <laughs> it sort of plays right? into our iterations all the time right like that didn't work let's try this yeah exactly yeah right? yeah yeah and in many ways it feels like what life is right and i think when you allow it to be that this experiment i, I love the, the way the space you hold for all these voices to to share their own journey with their life experiment and the assignment to experiment <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's 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 so great i'm so glad and thank you so much for having me on and thank you so much for the questions and allowing me that space to reflect and um, to share and um, yeah, to also just hear, hear, you know, hear that part of me that I don't always, um, I don't always have space to, you know, just connect to. So that's been such a gift. And um, yeah, it's, I, I trust that um, the human assignment will continue to empower so many, uh, not just those who get to share, but those who get to listen. So and for this, I'm really grateful to you, Maddie Jan Donna. Thank you. Well, thank you, Chidi. Oh, thank you.